Welcome to Beyond the Roadmap, Product Talk with AWH, a podcast for product people, by product people. Join us as experts share their experiences and expertise to help you build great products. Veronica Hudson, welcome to Beyond the Roadmap podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah. So um, for the viewers and listeners, um, I guess they're technically just listeners. Would you just tell us a little bit about your your background and sort of how you got into the world of product? Yeah, totally. So um, I kind of landed here on accident, as many product managers do. I started in book publishing early on and realized that was not an industry that was moving quite fast enough for me um, out of college. And after a few twists and turns, ended up at a small startup in New York. I was, you know, number employee, like 15 or something like that. And I was working on our customer success team, getting uh, users onboarded on the product, helping them understand how to use it, mapping their use cases to it. And as the company grew and we added a product team, we added additional engineering resources. I came to found that was, uh, or came to find that was a part of the job that I really enjoyed and um, eventually made my way onto the product team. And I have been on product teams ever since. That was probably about seven years ago. And and where are you at today? Like what, what company are you at? So I'm at a company now called Active Campaign. Um, it's marketing SaaS software, um, B2B. Uh, we serve a wide variety of customers, wide variety of use cases. We send messages across channels like email, landing pages, chat. Um, SMS, but we're really focused on customer experience automation and automation in general. So helping our customers, customers really get the most targeted one-to-one messaging possible in a way that makes it easy for our customers to set up. That's awesome. And so it seems like you, you've been doing this for, for quite a while now. I mean, at least a few few years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I guess um, what keeps you excited about product and, and, and wanting to continue to work in this field? What, what gets you excited about it as opposed to like other fields? Yeah, that you've worked in? totally. So I, one of the things that like really got me excited early on was I had never really worked at a software company before that first startup and seeing how slowly things moved in an industry like book publishing versus how quickly they moved in software was just really exciting to me. It really legitimately felt like magic. Like I would ask an engineer to change something in the UI or update some sort of data model and it would be, you know, done in a day or two. And that was crazy to me. It was so cool. And so I love how quickly technology moves and evolves and how quickly we're able to respond to the needs and the wants of our customers. And because it changes and moves so quickly all the time, no day is the same. And I know that the skills I've learned and, and you know what I have been able to do in my career as a product manager could really be applied to any product at this point. So it's like, I'll, I'll never stop learning. That's one of the most important things for me in any career is that you're learning something new every day. And I feel like I'll be able to do that throughout my entire product career. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And, you know, as you've advanced throughout your through your career, um, starting as a PM now, senior PM, sort of how how has that role changed for you over time? Yeah. So sometimes I think about how someone advances in their product product career a lot like how software is tiered sometimes, like, you know, the lowest or free package, like you get this, and then everything after that is like that plus X number of new features. 
progressing in your product career is like you start off and you really just need to learn like the tactical basics. Like, how do I prioritize? How do I, you know, route bugs to the right people? How do I understand the software and the customers and our customers' use cases? And then every day you're kind of building on top of that solid foundation. So you move from just, you know, understanding the customers or being able to define a specific feature to define a longer term vision and roadmap and understand how all those features work together. You can do some additional business analyses where you're saying, you know, I think that adding this new feature is going to increase our revenue by X percent and like show your work. You become a little bit more technical. I mean, I'm never going to be like an actual engineer, but I can talk about, you know, APIs more fluently and I can mm -hmm. discuss trade-offs of different technical decisions with engineers. So I really think it's just like compounding over time. Probably just the biggest difference uh, in my experience from PM to senior PM is that you're just tasked with making bigger, more widespreading decisions that have mm. larger implications. And there's more of a leadership element there as well. We are helping coach some of the more junior PMs on your team. Have you found that um, in your own career, like now at Active Campaign, that you've you know, delved into any of the particular like specific areas around product development or, you know, design or, or, or marketing, where do you find yourself like really focusing these days and sort of like what's a day in your life like? Yeah. So, I mean, every day is different, <laughs> but yeah, one area that I have come to really enjoy, um, especially I, I kind of leaned into this more in my last role at Twilio, but am helping to expand it at Active Campaign is I really like working with product marketing on crafting their go-to-market strategy and being on the same page about what stories we're telling our customers. I think, you know, I majored in journalism. I worked in book publishing. I love to read. And I think so much of product is storytelling. How are you conveying to your customer the value of a feature that you might be shipping or a set of features? Why should they want to use it? If they're not currently a customer, why should they be a customer and use it? And I don't think that product can tell that story on their own. They really need to work closely with product marketing to craft that narrative and um, get on the same page and be really cohesive about how the customer is understanding it. And so that's a really fun part of the process to me. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, when we talk about the, the product and, and how the customer sees it, the customer values it, you know, we've kind of traditionally talked about this in, uh, in terms of minimally viable products. And this is sort of one of why I wanted to talk to you today, because you have a really interesting perspective that I know is shared by by some some PMs out there, where you prefer to use this framework, uh, the minimum lovable product versus minimum viable product. Could you just talk to us a little bit about the difference between those two approaches? And, you know, maybe how is it touching on the market? and also on the product development or like, how do you see the, the big difference between them? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into something being an MVP and an MLP. And, you know, sometimes you want to deliver the MLP, um, but the business is telling you, no, all we can do is the MVP. So I like to think of shipping any product as like, there are a number of levers that you can pull to get to the state that you want it to be in. And, for MLPs, I think the most important lever there is good design. The functionality of that MVP might be pretty bare bones. And a lot of times when you're talking about getting something out as quickly as possible, the main limitation is, you know, how quickly can we build this with as few people as possible? And so, you know, that ha that relates to functionality. However, the design, if you have good front-end engineers, there's a lot of things you can do to make design, like, 
really beautiful and simple and easy to understand and solve that first use case in a way that is super intuitive to a customer where maybe their first inclination is not like, oh my God, I love this. It's just that this is so easy for me to understand and use. So I talked about having good front-end engineers. You also need really good designers to accomplish that as well. Yeah. And so when did your thinking start to change? Did you Were you originally sort of in the MVP camp, so to speak, and then kind of had a, a, your thinking evolve over time? Yeah. So I would say that like, I'm still, I still think in MVPs a lot of the time. Um, I think you need to start with an MVP, MVP approach and then layer on from there. How can we make this lovable? Um, because if you start, you know, from your vision or your like future state of the product and try to pair it back to an MLP, you might end up keeping in features that you love or you think are important, but aren't necessarily like absolutely integral to that first launch. So I like to like, yeah, start from future state. Where do we want to be in six months? Pair back to MVP and then identify the areas of the product that we can improve to make this as seamless and as lovable as possible. That might be the language that we use to um, kind of guide users through their experience. It might be paring down on the number of clicks they have to use. It might be creating a really beautiful UI that we can easily build on in the future so a customer doesn't have to relearn the feature every time we add new functionality. But I think it's important to balance an MVP with an MLP. And my thinking on that evolved while I was at Twilio. Um, I was working on a project to get SMS in our marketing feature. And it was difficult because you know we had an existing um, marketing feature within SendGrid. We got acquired by Twilio. And we were trying to kind of combine Twilio's functionality with SendGrid's functionality. And it just was difficult. It's hard to do that uh, in any scenario. But um, as we were thinking through that, I was really thinking from an MVP mindset and you know, in talking to some other people at Twilio and understanding the customer's problem via customer interviews, we were able to say like, you know, there is, we can do a way simpler version of this, but like make our UI reflect part of Twilio's and make it much more lovable and easier to use. It might take us a little bit longer, but we think we'll be more successful at launch. And again, that has to do with working with product marketing. You might need to get something out on a certain timeline, but you know, if you spend an extra like two weeks working on it, that it's going to be easier for product marketing to sell, then it's totally worth it to make it more on the lovable side than the viable side. Gotcha. Yeah. And how do you sort of come to know when you've found something that is lovable as opposed to viable? Like, is it, does it come out in like the data collection or how, how are you thinking about validating sort of lovable products versus viable? Yeah. And I I know there's the balance too. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely a little bit of a soft science right now. I don't think that there's like a perfect answer for that. I think a lot of it has to do with kind of the upfront um, research and user testing that you can do with something like a working prototype ahead of going to engineering and starting to build something. And so, you know, with the SMS uh, example I used, my designer and I were like working really closely. We were talking to customers and non-customers on almost a daily basis, walking them through the prototype, having them go through the prototype on their own, figuring out where where they were getting stuck and how we could unstick them or how we could make the process uh, smoother. So I think a lot of that happens pre-launch, but then once something is launched, it's less getting, when you have customers less coming to you saying, this doesn't work or this is confusing or I don't know how to use it, but they're just asking for new functionality. So the feedback is less centered on usability. You know you've made something more on the lovable side and that people are hungry to 
add more functionality mm -hmm. and more features to keep using it. Gotcha. I guess I also kind of want to ask you about sort of the world around product development and, and, and product management. Do you feel like it's more competitive now than it was in previous years and to in what counts as a, a lovable or viable product? Yeah, I think it depends on the industry that you're in. Um, I think everyone has seen that like crazy map that comes out every year of the like MarTech icons and logos. And there are more and more and more every year in every different category. And so I do think like when I am thinking about competitors and I'm thinking about products that are similar to ours, um, what makes ours stand out versus theirs or vice versa. And a lot of times it's people saying, this is more usable to me. This is, it's, it's not purely functional. It's not like this, this product has more features and this one doesn't because, you know, we're all kind of getting to the same level at this point in terms of functionality. It's more or less just comparative or um, competitive functionality. And so, you really need to stand out as a product and as a set of features by how easy it is for someone to use, how easy it is for them to onboard and get started, how it e how easy it is for them to expand upon what they've done and expand upon the different features they're able to use as you launch them and how quickly they can, you know, kind of get started using those. So I think as the kind of, especially the, the uh, marketing tech, market is becomes more saturated. That's how customers are, um, sorry, that's how companies can really make themselves stand out is focusing on why would somebody want to come back and use this product every single day? And what, what can we do to make them want to come back? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's super easy to focus on sort of the business challenges or the business constraints mm -hmm. and then lose sight of, and I, I know a lot of people, I mean, this is the whole, the whole industry is to try to figure out what the customer will want and love, but you know, it's, it's super easy to take a shortcut <laughs> and put out a subpar product. Yeah, um, so totally. one thing I wanted to ask you about is sort of on the formulating of like your, your opportunity hypotheses, when you're thinking about an MLP versus an MVP, do you start from like a, a stronger, and I know you said it's a, it's still kind of, there's like some soft science in it. Um, but do you sort of formulate like a stronger hypothesis? Like, okay, we think if we do this, it'll, uh, you know, improve usage like 50% or something like that. Or is it not super, you know, like strict like that? Yeah. So I think it, it depends on the company and like what your business goals are as an organization. You know, I think, Product teams are most successful when the organization has really clear business goals that are shared, not just across product, but across sales, across PMM, across CSM support. Because when you have those goals in place, then you can more easily say, you know, if our business goal is upsell or, you know, net retention or something like that, then you can focus how you're thinking about the MLP around around those items? How can we make it easier for people to use more items in our product or love this tier of the product so much that they want to explore what is available uh, in the tier above this because they know, you know, we have great web personalization. They want to go ahead and check it out at the at that higher tier or something like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's kind of interesting too, to think about sort of, and I, I, I think like it's, it's worth noting too, like, the MVP mindset 
may have hidden costs when, mm-hmm. you know, when you're just thinking about, let's just release the the easiest thing possible that solves a problem. Do you, th- I mean, do you think about that with respect to competitors mm-hmm. or there being like a hidden cost in that oh, yeah. approach? Yeah, I mean, I've experienced it for sure, (laughs) Um, where, you know, you pare something down as much as possible. And that includes like taking design shortcuts, you know, getting something out before the documentation is fully ready. And you are left like when you release it, customers are asking questions about how it works. Where is this thing? I don't understand this. And you are having to address a lot of smaller issues upfront rather than like moving on to the next set of big rock features that you want to build. So it you might get it out there faster. You might have people paying for it earlier, but you're you're losing momentum in the long run to get to the broader um, kind of vision or goal that you want to with the product. Yeah. And I guess it's it's really comes down to like making that intentional decision at the beginning to I guess, be a little bit more complete or a little more robust in the things that you release. And then, like you mentioned earlier, what is going to get people to come back and want to continue using it and and thinking about that as well. Right. And a, a lot of that also, you know, is about stakeholder communication. And if you're getting a ton of pressure from the business to say, like, you need to release this on this day or this week because we are tying X amount of revenue to it, you need to be really clear communicating up saying like, okay, we can do that, but these are the risks involved short-term, medium-term and long-term. And, you know, you might end up releasing an MVP instead of an MLP, but sometimes that's just the the situation as it presents itself. Yeah. So um, I guess for just to go back to sort of like career type stuff and, and to talk to some of the, the people that are younger PMs and maybe they want to learn more about this approach or, uh, you know, things that they could do to to better familiarize themselves with this idea, where would you recommend people check this out? Yeah, so there is not a ton that's been written on um, MVP versus MLP yet. I think it's still kind of a a mm. new term for the market um, and a way of, of framing thinking. A, <laughs> a quick Google works too, an MLP or an MVP um, Google. There's some great Medium articles out there. There's a place called Mind Studios that wrote a really great article about kind of the hierarchy of needs when you're thinking of an MVP versus an MLP that I really like. So that's probably a good direction to go in. But also just, you know, following the regular product channels like the Product HQ newsletter and things like that. um, I think we're going to start hearing more and more about this uh, way and framing of thinking as, as as products are launched. Awesome. I guess that pretty much wraps up my questions on sort of the MLP versus MVP stuff. I guess um, one thing to just wrap it up is what kind of advice would you have for for people starting out as a product manager or people who might be interested in product management? Yeah. Um, so I was very lucky to have ended up at an organization in kind of like not the early days of product, but when it was still... It, it wasn't quite what it was today, not quite as Vaha commodity. But what I typically tell people that are looking to move into product is, you know, first of all, get yourself, get a foot in the door at some sort of software organization or technology organization. I think that's really key. The smaller, the better. I think you can learn a ton when it's a small team. You have to work a lot harder and you're typically doing many jobs or many hats, but um, it's a great way to get your foot in the door and learn as many things as possible about the business. Be really vocal about what you want and what 
what you're hoping to do at an organization like that. When I was hoping to move into product, it wasn't something that was, that was just totally organic. I had to be kind of loud and obnoxious about it and make sure people knew it was something I was interested in. So that's huge as well. And reach out to people in your network that um, might already be in product or product adjacent, like product marketers, because the world of product isn't just product management. Like I mentioned, like I love working with product marketing. That's huge. Support is a great way to get your foot in the door with product. Um, I've seen so many people move through support organizations to get into product. I dabbled in it before I ended up here. And so, yeah, just leverage your network. Find companies that are small and scrappy that you think you can make a dent in. And uh, yeah, like any projects that you might be able to take on, whether that's in the company that you're currently at or by like offering up some sort of consultation. If you have a friend that's trying to get something off the ground, there's just so many resources on the internet now too, for learning more about product management and how to get your foot in the door. But um, yeah, I just got to be pretty scrappy, I think. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. I, I would ask, you know, where um, can people follow you and, and find you if they want to to follow Veronica Hudson? <laughs> um, I don't have a Twitter account. I was big into Twitter a long time ago, but has since excused myself from that platform. It gets a little, a little hairy. So the main place is LinkedIn. I'm Veronica Hudson on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram, but I don't really post anything about product there. So <laughs> LinkedIn is probably the main place to find me. I, I post, you know, random stuff about product there. Um, I'm also on the women in product Slack group. So if you're in that group and you want to reach out to me there, I'm always happy to chat product or um, help future PMs kind of find their, find the right path for them. All right. Well, that's very awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much. Need some help with product? AWH is a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm here to help you create great digital products. Check out www.awh.net or follow us on Twitter at awhnet to learn more.